Hello, Tom Tilly with you for the briefing. It's Monday, November the 23rd. Today, we're going to brief you on Facebook moderators. You'll find out what they see, so you don't have to. These people are damaged, and this damage is long-lasting. Yeah, some of the stuff they see is horrendous. You'll find out how how much impact that has on them in just a moment. Uh, first, Annika Smethurst is here. And Annika, a very exciting uh, weekend for you. You finally crossed the Victorian border. Yeah, it's been eight and a half months since I've seen friends and family and come back to my home state. So I've had to stay to Monday because I actually can't get back yet. Yeah. The border's opened overnight, so I should be able to drive back today. And you actually grew up in a border town. So for you, that was part of everyday life, crossing the New South Wales-Victorian border. But... It must have been so weird to be held back from that for so long and then finally driving over that border being such a big deal. So strange. Like so many Australians, I'm sitting there, you know, in one side of the state in the morning, in the afternoon you'd cross over. Often multiple times a day, but that hasn't been something that's able to happen this year. Really strange crossing the border last week and seeing a queue of cars and everybody being checked like you're in Europe going into a different country. Yeah, that is the world we're living in for now, at least. Um, Let's get into the news of the day. And actually, the border discussion leads our news this morning. Yes, as discussed, Australia's borders are continuing to reopen. New South Wales will welcome Victorians from today. But international borders are still a long, long, long way away. Over the weekend, that discussion was the focus of the G20 summit. That's the group that involves 20 of the world's biggest economies. Chinese President Xi Jinping told the virtual forum the global QR codes could actually help get people moving again. But Trade Minister Simon Birmingham told Sky he can't see Australia's borders reopening before July next year. I think the first half uh, may be challenging, but uh, but let's just see how we go in terms of how quickly uh, we can secure, distribute, get that take up in relation to vaccines. Yeah, and that does all depend on a vaccine, which of course was another major talking point at the G20. Leaders agreed to a fair and equitable distribution of vaccines and COVID tests, especially for poorer countries who may have trouble buying or properly storing them. We also got a little bit more information about that vaccine. There's been some breaking research out of Melbourne that's found a COVID-19 vaccine could actually last for more than a year, which I guess is a good thing, Tom. Yeah, and Scott Morrison um, gave us some more detail on what he's wearing in uh, quarantine, Annika. He showed a picture of himself dialing in for those meetings. He had a suit and tie on top and shorts and thongs on the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, he's isolating after going to Japan. He's isolating with one advisor and he's photographer. So more photos like that, I suspect. (laughs) And South Australia has emerged from its brief, kind of strange, three-day lockdown and seemingly is on the front foot with this second wave. Yeah, there was only one new case yesterday, a returned traveller, and South Australia's Chief Health Officer, Nicola Spurrier, says that's pretty incredible when you look at what they were predicting last week. We had a 99% chance that the wave that was starting off in South Australia was not going to be just a little blip, but it was going to be a very significant wave. Yeah, modelling uh, said that they were looking at potentially 200 cases a day leading into Christmas. You know, they brought in that really strict lockdown, but um, in case you missed that news, that ended early after revelations a pizza worker lied to contract tracers. He'd initially said that he was just in there buying a pizza, but he'd been uh, working there, and that was, uh, 
Yeah, something that really angered the Premier, uh, Stephen Marshall. To say that I am fuming about the actions of this individual is an absolute understatement. The selfish actions of this individual have put uh, our whole state in a very difficult situation. Yeah, but ultimately it was a good news story in the end, wasn't it? Because they were able to end that lockdown early. I don't know if you're one of the many brides that were due to get married over the weekend and had to cancel with three days' notice because someone lied. I reckon you'd be pretty cranky. But, look, they have got out of it early and really good news for South Australia. Authorities are still hunting a shark that killed a man in Broome. Yeah, police actually fired shots into the water after the man was attacked on the very famous Cable Beach. They've also praised a couple who pulled the victim, a local man in his 50s, from the water. Yeah, unfortunately, they weren't able to save his life. Um, Officials are now deciding when to reopen this popular tourist spot. Australia's biggest media companies, including our parent company, SCA, have taken out full-page ads calling for a level playing field with Google and Facebook. Yeah, along with News Corp, Seven, Nine and Ten and a bunch of other companies, they're urging the federal government to follow through with its plans for a draft media bargaining code which would force tech giants to share in the revenue that they make from the news supplied by all these Australian media companies. The tech companies don't like the idea. In late August, Facebook threatened to stop offering news services in Australia if the laws went ahead. Yeah, but the reality is that lots of Australian media organisations have been forced to retrench workers because of the revenue they've been losing to Google and Facebook. And that goes to the heart of why they want these laws introduced. Annika, do we have any sense when the government are going to push ahead with these laws? Look, initially they did promise it earlier in the year, but it does seem, COVID seems to have thrown that out. Now, look, the last thing they said a couple of weeks ago, the Treasurer Josh Frydenberg promised that it would get through or at least table this legislation in Parliament before the end of the year. We only have two sitting weeks left, though, so that's quite a tight agenda to get these through, especially with the heavy lobbying we're hearing from these companies. Okay, so yeah, that's sounding pretty optimistic. All right, thanks, Annika. We'll catch you tomorrow in just a moment. Facebook moderators. Hi, it's Jan Fran here. Today's briefing comes with a content warning, which really goes to the heart of the whole thing. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Facebook's content moderators and why some of them are fighting back against the tech giant and in some cases winning. Yeah. So Facebook moderators are the 15,000 people around the world whose job it is to decide what content stays up on the platform, what gets flagged with a warning and what gets deleted. So they're watching the worst stuff on the internet the absolute worst of humanity, so you don't have to. And this is where the content warning really kicks in on today's episode. Abuse of animals. I've seen them, a puppy with a rope hanging it. They were twin babies from like Saudi Arabia and the mother was dropping the baby on the ground. You always see death every single day. You see pain and suffering and it just makes you angry. Mm, God, that that is hectic and you know... Like, that was horrible to hear that, but I've never had to see any of that. I've yeah. never seen any of that kind of stuff when I've been on the internet. And that type of stuff is among the hundreds of millions of videos and images that are uploaded to Facebook every single day. Yeah, and so the moderation job's been ramping up uh, since 2016, basically, and now thousands of moderators are coming forward saying that they're suffering from depression, nightmares, PTSD because of what they're seeing on the job. I didn't really know what it was going to be. This is Chris Gray. You know, you hear the stories about it's going to be looking at all this terrible stuff, but you're kind of thinking, well, I'm here to save the world, you know, protect the innocent. 
you just don't know. You're making it up, really, as you go along. You're just, just coming into it blind. Chris started working as a Facebook content moderator in Dublin, Ireland in 2017. Yeah, like most moderators, he was hired not by Facebook, but by an external consulting company. Well, you'd come in, you'd do a bit of admin first, obviously, you know, and then it's just time to get into it. And your team leader will say, we need three people on the Instagram queue and five of you on the, the high priority queue or, you know, whatever's important that day. And you just press a button to start working that queue. And it just starts hitting you with user reported content. So you do about 100 tickets an hour. When you say 100 tickets an hour, what do you mean? What are tickets and what are you seeing? A ticket is just something that has been flagged as maybe problematic, you know, so it might be uh, animals for sale. Somebody is upset because somebody else is selling puppies and they don't think animals should be sold. And then the next one could be Dave and Diane having an argument about, you know, who's a bad father, a bad mother, junkie or whatever, you know, and then the next one could be people being unloaded from a truck and lined up by a trench to be machine gunned somewhere in the Middle East. You just, you never know. And every time you make a decision on one thing, the next one just loads straight away. Chris was paid $20 an hour and he worked eight hours a day for nine months. So tell us a little bit about the impact that this work had on your mental health. Well, you know, I came into it and it was all very fun and we we were doing a lot of pornography at the time, you know, which for a a mature guy is not that bad. And then gradually, you know, we transition into the more complex stuff, the more the darker conspiracies and hate speech and nasty nastiness between people. And you're just working away and you and you think that you're kind of divorced from it. You know, you're just looking at it like a, a doctor dealing with a, a you know a body on a slab and then you gradually realize that you're just kind of not happy or you're not sleeping well you're not comfortable and one of my colleagues said to me one day do you think you're becoming more racist because i think i am after hearing all this stuff so it's it's insidious it creeps up on you i don't think there's really a moment where you say god this is awful i have to stop it so did that mean you kind of got depressed oh it knocked me on my ass i mean i <laughs> I really just did not understand how much it had affected me. And after I left the job, I had, in the next 12 months, I had three jobs. And I left each one as a result of some kind of conflict that is totally avoidable. It really wasn't necessary. It was just me being unable to deal with something that was a bit threatening. And I've learned since that that's what we call a heightened fight or flight response, hypervigilance. You know, I'm ready to rear up or run away or get into it with somebody because I've spent so much time looking at dangerous, scary stuff. So because of that impact, Chris is now one of more than 20 Irish moderators suing Facebook in Ireland's high court. It's the equivalent of a 14-year-old working in a cotton mill 150 years ago. Like we, we need to have better systems and we need to mind the people that are doing the work. That voice there belongs to the group's lawyer, Dave Coleman. The pressure on these people who are not allowed to discuss their job outside of their job and yet are, are forced with this responsibility over a long period of time is causing them massive problems. You cannot sign away your mental health. You cannot sign away your rights when you're doing a job. And people are not aware fully of the full extent of this this damage that they are receiving is carrying out upon them. And therefore, that's what the case is actually about. Why have you decided to take on this case? 
Well, it's quite clear that when, when you meet a moderator who's been affected, the effect can be appalling upon their lives. There are no circumstances under which an ordinary person, and moderators generally are highly intelligent people, there are no circumstances in which these people would have signed up to, in effect, expedite the destruction of their mental health. So that is why these people are damaged, and this damage is long-lasting. It is the way the case, the, the job is presented, the way the work is carried out, the circumstances they find themselves in when they finish working, with no help whatsoever from Facebook, yet the effects of the job last for many, many years. And therefore, we believe the system is wrong and that these people have been wronged. So this isn't the first lawsuit that the tech giant has faced over its treatment of moderators. Uh, in May this year, Facebook agreed to pay $52 million US dollars in compensation to more than 11,000 current and former American moderators. Yeah, and as part of the class action, individuals were entitled to between $1,000 and $50,000 each. Yeah, US dollars, that is. Lawyer Dave Coleman says that he wants a similar, if not actually better, outcome across the Atlantic. In the system in Ireland is that we do not have a class action system. So each case has to be taken on its own merits. But we do have what's known as a multi-party action system where we can try and isolate the issues, identify them and bring them to court. Now, in Ireland, should we be successful, we will achieve higher compensation, in my view, than, than Facebook moderators in America get. And I, I understand the problem that this causes for people. However, we are where we are and Facebook need to engage we're not people who are refusing to engage. We're not people who do not see that there are two sides to every case. But we are people who believe that fairness should apply and that really Facebook should reach out to us to engage, to see what can be done. Well, Dave, that's what I'm interested to hear your views on. If, if you, through this legal action, um, were able to force Facebook to sit down at the negotiating table and come up with a solution here, what would you be suggesting to them? Facebook need to reach out to those people who have been damaged and provide care for them, treatment for them, so that they can come to terms with what has happened and move on with their lives. That's a simple thing that can be done. Another thing that can be done is a review of the type of pressure on, uh, on moderators in respect of the number of tickets, being videos are still images that they have to view every day, the level of accuracy and also within the job itself, a, a more comprehensive treatment system for those who are showing sign effects and Facebook realising that although it's not a popular job uh, because of the effects that it has, that they certainly can you know, pull people off areas which are causing damage and identify damage on vulnerable people quicker. So a big question here is how's Facebook responding to this problem? In October last year, um, audio was leaked from a Facebook all-staff meeting where Mark Zuckerberg was asked how Facebook's supporting moderators hired by external companies. And he, well, he played it down a bit. You know, some of the reports, I think, are a little overdramatic from digging into them and understanding um, what's going on. It's not that most people are, are just kind of looking at, at just terrible things all day long. In that same leaked audio, though, Facebook says that it's improving AI detection, it's blurring images and muting audio by default and making videos black and white, all to lessen the impact on the viewer. Yeah, and they say that moderators receive in-depth training and have access to 24-hour psychological support. 
The thing is, though, in a lot of these cases, it's actually the external hiring companies who implement and oversee some of these strategies. That is part of Facebook's way in that they don't view the content moderation as pure Facebook work itself. That's Dave, the Irish lawyer. However, we disagree. We know that the work is carried out for Facebook. Regardless of the name of your employer, you're employed to moderate the work of Facebook, which is a profit-making organisation. Chris, who you heard from earlier, the Irish moderator, says that he still finds it hard to hold down a job. If you could be face-to-face with Mark Zuckerberg, what would you say to him? I would want him to acknowledge that nobody in the world has ever had to do content moderation at scale before. You know, policing billions and billions of people and all the crazy things that they might say or post online. This is a whole new world. And there's no shame in admitting that, you know, as an organization, they've been wrong-footed. They don't know really what they're doing. And it's possible that they've made mistakes and that people have been hurt. And then to engage with that and say, well, what can we learn and how can we put it right? So that was Chris. It'll be interesting to see how that case pans out or if, you know, maybe they don't even get to court because Facebook come to the negotiating table. Yeah. Do you know, after this, I think I'm I'm going to think a little bit harder, I think, not just about what I see on Facebook, but actually what I don't see on Facebook. And man, thank you. Thank you to the people out there that have to see this stuff so I don't. Shout outs. Yeah, shout outs. All right, that's it for today's briefing. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you want one of the briefing mugs, uh, show us your uh, briefing listening routine uh, on an Insta story. Uh, Post a photo of where you listen to the briefing from, whether you're out on your run or having a morning coffee. Tag us and we'll send you one of those beautiful yellow mugs. A Podcast One production.